Well, hey everyone, we are here with our lectionary musings today. Um, JP, how are you today? This tea is great. Is it, good. is it your green turmeric tea? You call it that, but that's not the official name. It's, uh, it's the matcha tea from, is it Bigelow? I think so. I'm a fan of green tea. I'm a fan of the matcha, but I can't do the turmeric. It's just too, like, spicy, peppery for me. I'm crazy. I'm not a, like, peppery flavor person. It's the best tea. But anyway, welcome, you guys, to the Lectionary Musings podcast. We're glad you're listening. You should and tell them what we're listening to we, in our headphones. We are currently listening to spring birds chirping, and it's very nice. Should I let them hear a little bit of sure, it? Sure, go ahead. Nice, right? Kind of sets the mood. We have to do this or else we go insane. Because we are currently recording from our basement. You know in the Matrix where they black out the sky? Mm-hmm. That's what it's like living in Ohio. <laughs> Ohio in February, anyway. And probably 80% of the year. I don't know the percentage, but it's pretty high. It's half of the year. Yeah. I say this all the time. If I had infinite resources... I would move all of my friends and family, those I love, to a warmer climate where the sun shines. Someplace like San Francisco or something. I think the sun shines there like irregularly high. But I need the sun. I have sunshine disease. Undiagnosed. Pretty soon. It'll, it'll be coming out pretty soon. Just got to get through these next five months. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Anyway, back to our podcast. (laughs) So let's talk about the lectionary. We got a couple minutes here to talk about it. So what was our text this week? If you could summarize what it was about. Well, we're continuing the Sermon on the Mount. We're in Matthew chapter 5. Last week was about the Beatitudes. This week we continue on into the discourse where Jesus introduces the idea of salt and light. And he also talks about the law and the prophets, but I didn't camp around there too much because I wanted to hone in on what it means to be salt and light, at least where I'm at right now, how I think about it. And how would you describe what it is to be salt and light? Well, what I said on Saturday was to be salt and light. I used Dietrich Bonhoeffer's The Visible Community, and we talked about how since the Constantinian shift, Christianity has become inward. It's been mm-hmm. transmuted towards an inwardness. Hauerwas talks about the Constantinian shift. I think there was another shift. We were talking about this with some friends earlier mm-hmm. this week, which took place in mid-century evangelicalism where we started to see this personal Lord and Savior dialect pop up. And it became very personalized, hyper-personalized, ultra-personalized. And I think now to be a Christian in this type of Western Christianized culture, even in mainline streams, it's become inward, private. Mm -hmm. We talked about Joanne Bland the youngest civil rights activist to be imprisoned by the time she was 11 years old. She had been documented, had been uh, imprisoned 13 times. Mm -hmm. And why she was the way she was was because her mother died at a young age, pregnant with her baby brother. 
because the hospital wouldn't give her white blood. The hospital made her wait for a blood transfusion so that they could get black blood. Her mom didn't make it. And from that moment on, she, she was reared by her grandmother, brought up in the church, and the church and her community told her, fight for freedom. Her church called her in a public way to let her light shine. And she did. And then we talked about that compared to the story of Jim Wallace, mm-hmm. who grew up in a church, same time period, same era. He wanted to become involved in the civil rights movement. And his church told him in so many words, or at least an elder in his church told him, you know, sit down and shut up with that. Our faith is private. How is working for justice being salt and light? I think justice is one aspect of it, but it's a primary aspect of it. What does the Lord require of us but to do justice, to love mercy, to walk humbly with our God? Justice is loving our neighbor, right? That's Mm -hmm. Cornel West would say, all justice is, is loving our neighbor in public. Mm -hmm. And what is the Christian called to, if not to love the Lord our God and to love our our neighbors as ourselves? So it's the Christian walk, but I think it's been transmuted, right? That's what we've been talking about. It's been brought inward. And because of that, it's unfortunate, but I think a lot of people who have been brought up in Western Christianity, uh, American Christians, they struggle. Mm -hmm. Not all. There are amazing, wonderful people of the faith doing incredible things in the name of God in order to love their neighbor for the purposes of justice, Mm -hmm. equality. Justice is, um, it's not a New Testament idea alone. It's, It's something that you see in the Old Testament where it's about right relationships. Think about, um, when you're working in a word document and you justify something, Mm -hmm. it's all about where those words are in relationship to other words. In your message on Saturday, you talked about letting the suffering speak from when you were ref- talking about the Isaiah 58 text. Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, that comes from, again, Dr. Cornell West, where he talks about we must let suffering speak, allow suffering to speak. And I think what, I mean, how I take that is there are people on the underside of power. There are people who have been marginalized Mm -hmm. who have been oppressed by systems of injustice systems of sin which that's a whole other conversation people deny that systems can be that there can be sin implemented systematically but of course there can and there is but that's another thing what I mean by letting suffering speak is the people who have been victimized by that by these institutions by these ideologies the people who still find themselves on the underside of power in terms of the power dynamic those who can need to make room and space and just shut up Mm -hmm. and sit down really Mm -hmm. I mean sorry to be so blunt about it but just be quiet and listen. Yeah. 
what really kind of sets me off today is the amount of denial. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just going to say, I, I think that part of the problem is we are blind to the suffering. We don't see it. We refuse to see it in some cases, and we almost pretend like it's not even there. So I think it's not only offensive if we don't listen to those who are suffering. It's, I think, even more offensive if we act like there's not any suffering going on at all. Mm-hmm. So, And you talked about the visible community. You mentioned that it's bearing good works, that there's fruit of repentance. There's the idea of transforming the world, liberation of the oppressed. So that's the visible community. But you also talked about the invisible community. What's mm-hmm. that? Any community of Jesus which wants to be invisible, wants to be inward, Mm -hmm. like Jim Wallace's elder. Any community that would say, no, the church doesn't have anything to say to that injustice. The church has nothing to say to poverty, to suffering, to racism, inequality, homophobia, xenophobia. The invisible community is any community of Jesus which wants to be invisible. Mm-hmm. And Bonhoeffer would say, he's, he's harsh, rightfully mm-hmm. so. He says, that's no longer a community that wants to follow Jesus. Yeah. And, and then you also talked about the psalm. And I thought that this was great because you don't usually think about this, but it talks, you said that the wicked, they, they don't, care not only do they not care but they actually get upset when other people do yeah, care they gnash their teeth mm-hmm. well that's Brueggemann so Brueggemann talks about how wicked people according to the psalmist they're not really those who we have in the past um <laughs> I guess culturally we view wicked people in the church as mm-hmm. those who maybe break our uh, our code of outward behavior. Yeah, so, like if I handed you a piece of paper and I said, draw a picture of a wicked person. It, it depends on where we're at in life. <laughs> but I think, you know, as you're a young child growing up in maybe many of the people listening to this podcast, the three of you listening to this podcast. <laughs> Welcome and thank you. <laughs> but maybe you three can relate to growing up in Sunday school and to say the played out cliche we don't smoke drink or chew or hang out with people that do Diana is shaking her head. we didn't dance or like you know in we, our case we didn't listen to secular music yeah when you're dancing at a high school dance you leave room for the holy ghost you don't there grind. are no such thing as high school dances there are oh, senior no, no, no. banquets there no, are banquets we did no go, dancing we did go to high school dances every well, single we went one. to public school well, no, you went to a Christian school. Up yeah, but they high didn't school. have dances. They right. had a banquet. So by the time we hit ninth grade, both you and I were in. Yeah. Well, yeah. you 10th, I think, but yeah. we were in public schools, yeah. right? So even in ninth grade, you came to the prom with me, mm-hmm. snowball, whatever, all those dances. Mm-hmm. And there was just a code of moralism right. that you weren't supposed to violate. That, that was evil. That was wicked. Like, you don't yeah. drink, you don't smoke. You don't watch any movie that's got any sort of, you know, mm-hmm. um, scandalous scenes. What else? It was usually about abstaining from things. Yeah, it was, it was negative morality. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Which is 
only half of I think what it means to truly yeah. be. We talked about this. Like yeah. you can sit in a room doing absolutely nothing and be mm-hmm. utterly sinful just mm-hmm. by what you're not doing. I was mm-hmm. hungry, you ignored me. Yeah. I was thirsty, you didn't give me anything to drink. So like there are sins of omission that we could mm-hmm. unpack. But that that comes later. So this is how we were taught to view wicked. Mm-hmm. And Brueggemann comes along and he says, the wicked are not people who are promiscuous. The wicked are not people who drink all the time. The psalmists would say that the the wicked are those who who see suffering and don't care, mm-hmm. who see suffering and don't listen. Mm-hmm. And then it drives the wicked crazy to see compassion at work in the neighborhood because it's such a sharp contrast to their indifference. So it causes them to gnash their teeth. Yeah. And I think those are the people who would see programs and good community action um, what I would say, good, healthy policy, public policy that would take care of those in need. And people get upset and they say they should pull themselves up from their own bootstraps. And, you know, Dr. King would say it's heartless to tell a bootless person to pull themselves up from their own bootstraps. I mean, so anyways, the wicked are still gnashing their teeth. Right. When people, when they see compassion mm-hmm. in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And I think... Isaiah speaks to this, right? Mm -hmm. So he tells the people, God says to the people, all your religious piety, you're going to fast, okay. And you're asking, why do we do these things and we don't hear from you? We don't see you working in our midst. And what does God say? I mean, it's right there. You can read it. Is this not the fast that I choose? Mm -hmm. This is what the visible community is, I think. So next I want to read the Isaiah 58 text, and I'm going to read it in the message version. We heard it on Saturday in the NRSV version, but I like the message version because it it brings some new uh, language to the text, and I think it's helpful to hear what it's saying. Um, So this is Isaiah 58, 6 through 12 in the message version. This is the kind of fast day I'm after, to break the chains of injustice Get rid of exploitation in the workplace. Free the oppressed. Cancel debts. What I'm interested in seeing you do is sharing your food with the hungry, inviting the homeless poor into your homes, putting clothes on the shivering ill-clad, being available to your own families. Do this and the light will turn on and your lives will turn around at once. Your righteousness will pave your way. The God of glory will secure your passage. Then, when you pray, God will answer. You'll call out for help, and I'll say, here I am, a full life in the emptiest of places. If you get rid of unfair practices, quit blaming victims, quit gossiping about other people's sins. If you are generous with the hungry and start giving yourselves to the down and out, Your lives will begin to glow in the darkness. Your shadowed lives will be bathed in sunlight. There's your sunlight, JP. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. I will always show you where to go. I'll give you a full life in the emptiest of places. Firm muscles, strong bones. You'll be like a well-watered garden, a gurgling spring that never runs dry. You'll use the old rubble of past lives to build anew. Rebuild the foundations from out of your past. You'll be known as those who can fix anything. 
restore old ruins, rebuild and renovate, make the community livable again. That's the visible community. Mm -hmm. And I think the invisible community would be salt that has lost its saltiness. Yeah. The invisible community would be the light that is hidden under a funny term, bushel basket. (laughs) (laughs) That's the invisible community. I think the invisible community, I mean, to quote uh, Eugene Peterson here in the message, the invisible community has no desire to get rid of unfair practices, right? Mm -hmm. The invisible community blames victims and gossips about other people's sins. And the invisible community, they're not generous with the hungry. They're really more inward focused, right? Yeah. Self-centered, really. Yeah. They hide in the shadows of their own security, their own prosperity. But the visible community is the community that does these things Mm -hmm. that Isaiah is calling the community of God to. And I think it's hopeful that as the visible community, just by being a community, it's something we're doing together. So if it sometimes seems overwhelming, I think it's helpful to know that we're in this together. Mm -hmm. And that even though it's work that will never be done, that will always be ongoing, that it takes your entire lifetime, that it's something that we do together. And that when we work towards justice, when we work towards feeding the hungry, when we work towards um, bringing light to dark places and being salt, when we do those things, it's making the community livable again. Yeah. And there's hope in that, I think. And uh, just to point this out too, my question was when I was, you know, thinking about these things, you hear Jesus say, be salt, be light. And my first question was, rhetorical which is was he Mm. yeah that's a good question and of course he was Mm -hmm. and then he said do these things like be visible you would think that after such nonconformist things enunciated in the beatitudes that we would become the separatist community right like we would be reclusive Mm. but as soon as he delivers this nonconformist way then he says get out there yeah be salt be light so that other people can see your good works and give glory and praise to the father in heaven but what happened to him he was crucified right yeah and so we have to connect the cross Mm-hmm. to all of this. Mm-hmm. There's something about being salt and light that is an adjutant yeah. to the culture. Mm-hmm. Like salt preserves, salt arrests corruption, mm-hmm. but it also agitates and irritates. Yeah. yeah, which we saw with the civil rights movement. There were exactly plenty of Christians out there who were gnashing their teeth yeah. for sure. So yeah, But now we see God in it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. now we see the Father. Right. We give glory to the Father right. for, for the good work that was done, for people who fought for the liberation of all people. Mm-hmm. And I think that is going to be our story. So to bring it to us, what is this calling us to? Yeah. To the three people listening to this podcast. 
(laughs) what is it calling us to if if nothing else than a cross but the glory of god will be made manifest to this Mm -hmm. in this right in the end so love the neighborhood well serve Mm -hmm. the neighborhood well be that social adjutant be that preserving agent but just recognize that it's not going to necessarily be received with um yeah it's not going to be received with open arms by the wicked. Yeah. And I'm not, I, that sounds so judgmental for me to say, oh, the wicked won't. <laughs> by the way, you called me the wicked because I'm not living in sunshine. <laughs> but I think when I say the wicked, what I mean is there are going to be people who, who have a very comfortable indifference. Mm-hmm. And the contrast you're going to create through your word and witness through your actions, your deeds, by what you say. I mean, that contrast is going to stir up, is the word ire? Some ire? (laughs) I'm trying to think of a word that works there. But it's going to create some pushback. Mm -hmm. So don't think that when you do these things, it's going to be zippity-doo-dah. Right. What a lovely day. Mm -hmm. I do think that people will glorify the Father in heaven, in the end. But there's going to be a cross before that. I feel bad talking about our kids, but I'm just going to. Um, (laughs) It's restoring old ruins, and it's trying to rebuild something. And I feel like there's always going to be somebody coming along behind you as you're trying to put the rocks back up Mm -hmm. and rebuild that road. While you're doing that, there's going to be someone coming behind you taking the rock and throwing it back off the side. And we had this happen yesterday. Madi was trying to clean up the living room or the day before yesterday, or I can't remember, but she was cleaning up and she was putting all the pillows on the couch and in protest, John Luke didn't want to help clean up. So he was taking the pillows and he was throwing them on the floor. So as she was trying to, you know, clean it up, he mm. was throwing them on the floor. And that's a silly example, but... No, it's not. Two steps forward, one step As we back. go through yeah. life, as we try and rebuild as it says, restore of old ruins. As we're going and we're trying to do this good work together, there will be people who don't like that and who are taking those same bricks and throwing them to the side of the road again. And yeah. it, it's just, the, it's part of it and we can't be discouraged by that. So a good example would be voters' rights. Yeah. What has happened, you know, so when Joanne Bland was 11 years old, 12, 13 years old, working for, you know, freedom. Mm-hmm. And that work still continues today. It's still an issue that's there, there's been backward that's going yeah, on right now, movement. and it's gotten smarter and it's gotten more subversive. So we're less aware of it, and mm-hmm. it happens, you know, digitally with computer algorithms to, you know, make our different districts. voter suppression. Yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm. So it's still going on, but I, I liked that we ended our service on Saturday with this little light of mine. Mm-hmm. But I wish it was this little light of ours Ours. we are going to let it shine because by saying this little light of mine i'm going to let it shine it makes it so personal (laughs) and it also makes it so overwhelming at times because it it's it's not something that we do on our own it's something that we do in community and this this life in christ is not ever meant to be done by ourselves, and Mm -hmm. we are not alone and it's something that we are doing as a community as the church and um, so, yeah, I wish we would have changed the words to that song to 
this little light of ours, we are going to let it shine. Mm -hmm. So to the three, now two listeners that are still listening to this podcast, if you like the sounds of birds, I have so many recordings that I've done that have been just outside ambience. Is this one of your personal recordings? It is not. But it's one of my favorites. I can start using my personal ones. I have everything from the forest in New Jersey to If you want to record birds outside right now in Struthers, Ohio, you (laughs) will be recording a murder of crows because they live in Struthers, Ohio in February. And you cannot leave garbage out unless it's in a can. Not only is there no sunshine. There... (laughs) A murder of crows. I can't even describe how many crows are in a murder of crows. And it's, how loud they it, are. It is a sight to behold. So maybe you can do a recording of that for us for our next podcast. I would love to. I already have one. I have oh, you one. do? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well. It's quite disturbing. It would not bring peace to the listeners. <laughs> but we hope you enjoyed this podcast yes, today. Thank you so much for listening. And um, we hope that you'll join us again next time.